Canada and the rest of the world, and welcome to the Netflix Podcast, the show where we review the movies, or sometimes TV specials, available to stream on Canadian Netflix. I'm Dylan Clark Moore, and joining me here today is comedian, video personality, and all-around jack of many trades, Mr. Pat Tiffin. Jackass of many trades, yes, I am Pat Tiffin. <laughs> good, st- I try... <laughs> I'm trying to help you out here, man. I'm trying to give you a good intro, and here you are tearing yourself down. Hey, that that's my job. I'm a comedian who tells self, self-deprecating jokes. It's part of the job. So, yeah, this is my persona. So, uh, is there uh, anything interesting you've been watching on Netflix recently, Pat? Uh, I saw the Barry Crimmins documentary, Call Me Lucky. Okay, yeah, that's on my list. Yeah, that that, that was, uh, like, I watched it because, one, I'm a fan of, like, Bob Cackle, quite distracting. Mm-hmm. I've seen Shakes the Clan a couple times. I also own the uh, DVD version of a uh, Boston comedy documentary called "When uh, When Stand Up Stood Out," which is which is like an hour and a half documentary, like sort of like run of the mill a little bit on the lower grade side of things. It's mostly digital video, and I have that, so it's like okay, I know about Barry Crimmins, so I really want to know what, what all the rest of it's about. So it's like. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll watch this for a while and uh, just, like, see what's behind this guy's past. Like, especially with Spotlight coming out, like, the movie Spotlight. If you really want a good downer day, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta go see Spotlight. And then after when words while you're Netflix and chilling, maybe, maybe try uh, Call Me Lucky. It's a great documentary about... I won't spoil it. it, it it's good. It's a bit of a bummer. It's a it's bit, a bit of, a... of a bummer, but... Well, I suppose once you start uncovering the past of the best comedians, yeah. then, uh, you know, you don't always find Not the happiest. Not people know about Barry Crimmins. He's, like, maybe one of the first, like, true independent start-your-own-thing. Like, he ran this room in uh, Boston called Ding Ho. Okay. Everybody from, like, like Lenny Clark was there, Dylan Sleary was there, Bobcat Goldquist, Kevin Meany, like, a lot of those Boston guys came out of that room so it's so, not around today but it's still right. maybe one of the most legendary rooms of killers of all time yeah. uh, anything else interesting you've been watching uh, I've, I've been trying to get my way for jessica jones Is it- I, I sort of do a piecemeal so it's like an episode at a time i'm, I'm to episode three now right Got the episode four probably next week, and then I might just binge watch them. Oh, so one. you're you're watching it like TV? Then. Yeah, I'm literally watching. I I literally have this rule where I don't want to watch everything at once. But he, the one thing I'm like waiting to watch though, and I told you this uh, on Facebook. Uh, one of my favorite movies of all time is finally on Netflix. Uh, Toys, Robin Williams, Michael Gambon. Robin Wright Penn's in there. Joan Cusack's playing a robot. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> I, I threw my spoiler alert in there. Yeah. You threw it in app. <laughs> Doesn't do any good after fact. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you actually mentioned that you probably yeah. wanted to say a little bit yeah, about like, toys. So, I appreciate you adding that in. Yeah. Um, so, Pat told me about two days ago. He yeah. said, oh, and I'm probably going to want to talk a bunch about toys. Yeah. And so, I was like, fuck, I need to find two hours to sit down and watch this movie that I only know by reputation um, from listening to How Did it's This Get so Made bad, talk about it's it. It's so bad, it's good. It's like... It's so strange. And it's like, like I did I did finish, I probably finished it like a, a couple of hours before yeah. I got here, so I finally got around to, to getting through the whole it's thing. It's like, oh, it's like, first off, you're like, okay, 
whimsical tale, whimsical tale, whimsical tale. And I remember seeing the original version, like, there's some things they cut out, like, like when they put the uh, barrel of laughs in there. Yeah. By yeah. the end of the movie, you sort of can hear the barrel of laughs still going, but, in, but on, say, the DVD version, which... I play every year now. The barrel of laughs and that joke gets cut out. Really? Yeah. Why is it just too dark? Or? It's just a little bit dark. And it's like, the barrel of laughs is still going. Yeah. Because that's it. Like, like watching it on Netflix, yeah. that's on there. Yeah. That that joke gets capped. Yeah. So that's good. That, uh, what else? Uh, and then there's like, it's like Dumbledore's in that movie. Like the second Dumbledore's in that movie. Yeah. Like he's playing the villain. And like, it's, like, like, it's such a strange, a strange thing because he's plays the villain as this very like stoic general yeah. with a, a thick British accent and they kind of make a off the cuff reference to how well you know daddy it was your fault for having for having my formative years be in Great Britain so I could never shake the accent like it's this crazy and character choice and it, at some point it's like I, I think it's something along the lines of uh, they tried to frag me and like you hear the dad's like Something, something, mumble, big mumble, cock. Mumble, mumble, yeah. mumble, 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 big cock. Uh, you got LL Cool J in his first role. The yeah. military man, I'm on a military meal. I want my string beans quarantined. Strange movie, man. Was there anything specifically that you wanted to talk about? No, I just, like, I, I love exposing people to that movie. It's just... Like they got the Mahatma Gumby speech written near the end. Right, is, yeah, where, where Robin Williams is going through. Yeah, speaking of people who, when you find out about their lives, you uh, you don't feel too good about them. Yeah. Um, yeah, where he's doing the speech at the end where he starts off doing Abraham Lincoln, but about toys, and then he moves on to JFK, but about toys, and Martin Luther King, and then Mahatma Gumby, as he <laughs> says. The ridiculous movie. But I also, like, I didn't hate it. I tried to, I tried to hate it. Yeah, I almost cried. Like, and it's also one of the first movies I almost cried at because you see the uh, you see Alien Al get blown up somewhere during that. Oh final God, fight. the super sad part at the end when or when the the big war is going on. Yeah, and then, and, and then and then after it's all done, the, the little baby's running out of there. Uh, it was the monkey that got yeah. me. Where you have the just that one kind of yeah. monkey toy sitting there, and then in slow motion, he just poof, gets exploded. And the, then the end of one's childhood. Very and, and then the other monkey comes up and starts, like it's a little robotic toy. Just walks up and kind of shuffles over, and despite it being this very rigid me- mechanical toy, it like sort of hugs the other one is this sad moment where you feel like it's lost its sibling or something and it, and it has all some dated references here here and there like mtv playing music videos oh yeah like they're so excited that oh my god we get mtv on this channel, channel? Oh my. that bit frustrated me so much but i also just uh, i just had to embrace the whimsy of the they, they were trying to go talking heads with it at some point well yeah when they were doing the talking heads but the thing was the display that they put up um, was a perfect representation of the corridor behind them. And it's also like Mission, Mission Impossible uh, yeah, Ghost like that, Protocol. Yeah, Ghost Protocol. Yeah, it was very much like that. So they had this this picture that could have very easily covered up anything that they wanted to do. So rather than just hide behind this screen and go sneak around, they decided, no, we need to project this Talking Heads-esque music video on top of it to form a distraction that's completely unnecessary and hinges entirely on this little sticky placard holding to a display maybe one of my favorite all times like featurettes from a dvd joke just robin williams it's just a throwaway line during a featurette on the movie it's like since it's a barry levinson movie so it's like avalon if you watch it backwards you get a happy ending i like that a lot 
Well, the, uh, the normal, I can't really say the movie. The thing that we are here to talk about this week is Netflix's first. Well, I guess it's not even its first because they did Bojack Horseman before. But a Netflix. First or, live action. Uh, first live action Christmas special Netflix has ever produced. We're talking about A Very, very Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Uh, it came out this year, 2015, directed by Sofia Coppola. The ways that Netflix describes this special are twofold. First of all, when you hover over it, it says he's got a bad case of the Christmas Eve blues, but he's about to have the night of his dreams. I don't know if that's true. <laughs> uh, he certainly does have the blues, but uh, I don't know if, well, I guess literally he does have a dream. <laughs> when we come to it, it's like, uh, is it a dream or is it a nightmare? But I'm not going to spoil it any further. No, it's fine to spoil toys, but you yeah. don't want to spoil anything about this yet. When you click on the title, it changes to Bill Murray rounds up an all-star cast for an evening of music, mischief, and barroom camaraderie in this irreverent twist on holiday variety shows. I think that's pretty good. Like, that yeah. gives you a pretty bang-on idea of what to expect in watching this thing. As if A Very Murray Christmas didn't tell you exactly what you were going to get into. I, I sort of thought it was going to be a little bit more video, like... Like... I, I felt like one of the notes I took was like, is this the first ever Dogma 95 uh, Christmas special? <laughs> what do you mean by that? Like, like, all the music is like almost played live. Mm -hmm. uh, you got a lot of live singing. You didn't do a lot of recording in a recording studio. Right, no, it does feel very raw. Kind of reminds me of this arcade fire special they had after SNL, uh, Bring in the Nighttime. You can find it on the Creators Project on uh, YouTube. It's, it's sort of the same idea. Like, you got like... Arcade Fire, uh, playing songs from the new album Reflector at the time. And then you have a bunch of like celebrities coming in here. There's like filmed in Montreal. Okay, so very, very much like a mishmash. It's a mishmash. You got you, you have Bono and Ben Stiller at a point. Like both wearing, <laughs> they're both wearing giant wooden butler heads, and they take them off. It's like Bono and Ben Stiller have a good conversation. Michael Sarah's playing another bizarro asshole, the bartender this time. What a strange combination. So what it, the I started reading the some of the reviews that people put on Netflix about this, and it's so divisive. Like on my profile, it averaged out to about a three. Um, was what it recommended that I would like, uh, or what I would assign to it. And a lot of people really hated the whole amateur singing idea of it because you do get some pretty you, you get some like okay singing in terms of like would you pay to listen to this you get some that's okay you get some that's downright bad and in some cases bad intentionally but, but this is Sofia Coppola with Roman Coppola with Bill Murray and they sort of have this way of doing things when they're with each other like there's certain pieces from all all over Bill Murray's career I mean like David Johansson aka Buster Poindexter from uh from Scrooge did in this one. What in terms of the music itself, like I liked it. I, it I, seemed like it seemed like people were angry that they're like, I just devoted. How an can hour. you be angry at like, Paul Schaefer though? Right. Like, well, they were angry that for like an hour they were basically listening to Bill Murray, who's not a professional singer, but they were listening to him and others sing Christmas carols without necessarily being of a professional quality. And people seemed kind of upset about that. So it it sounds like you were a fan. Sounds but, like you. But that's but but that's the whole point of Bill Murray doing Christmas special. You're gonna hear that Star Wars type voice you heard like the Star Wars type voice you heard in the 70s it hasn't gotten any better but you know what that's the value of it it's supposed to make you laugh yeah and it did and it also it, it made me laugh and it also especially because so many of the songs were performed sadly when he was doing them and that was kind of the character that he had is this 
perpetual lonely bachelor who's really cool but then the only person the only people he has to spend christmas with him are the people who either get paid to be around him or the paul pe- schaefer right or paul schaefer so I, I think that that was really interesting for that character to have this not really polished this warbly voice that still was re- it was still really expressive and it was him having fun despite not being a professional singer like when he's interjecting when he's kind of like leaning in and and singing over top of phoenix and the guy from phoenix looks kind of mad every time that bill murray like Mm -hmm. sticks his head in in front of the mic i I really agree that that's a lot of the fun but that's of the movie that's the point of having phoenix in there you got really good band and then bill murray just adds himself in it's like all right i thought that people were really out to lunch to to be so upset about it like i've still seen worst acting in that Bing Crosby Christmas special where when he's talking to David Bowie, it's like if we're if we're talking like horrible Christmas specials, like Bing yeah. Crosby trying to look hip. Enough <laughs> said. The other thing that I liked about him in terms of kind of sad old man Bill Murray was at first when he tries to get up onto the stage when it seems like the special is going to be a big disaster, and he. It's when he's getting ready to sing that first song and they're like, all right, Bill, you're about to go live. You're about to go live. And you kind of expect him to, as soon as they are live, he turn, he flips that performer switch and all of a sudden he's got it. But it was really, I really appreciated his performance, how he didn't just like flick a switch. He kind of like bled into professionalism as the countdown went on. He's yeah. just like, he was this sad, slightly happier, slightly happier. And then big fake grin right at the right time. Did we mentioned that he got nominated for SAG award this afternoon, this morning. For this special. Did he? Yeah, he got nominated in the TV movies miniseries category. Oh, that's wonderful. Good for you, Bill Murray. When I was writing about this special in the What's New on Canadian Netflix column for this past week, kind of half-jokingly, but I said, you've got Bill Murray doing a Christmas special for Netflix. This is pretty much what the internet was built for, because Bill Murray is so very much like the patron saint of the internet right now. And Paul Schaefer's getting work again, which is always a good thing. Absolutely. I loved the music in this. Like Paul, like- Schaefer, Paul Schaefer did such an amazing job in bringing together all these different performances and different styles and Disparate holding it all together. Different- yeah, and it all fits within the same within the same world. And even if it is done in kind of a a hokey sort of way, I mean, it's a Christmas special where we're trying to hear celebrities sing, right? So it, it has to be hokey. But despite all that, I I was never bored. I was never unhappy to be watching it. And I was always excited for the next song. It was like, it was an hour. And that's what, what, what's, what these specials are supposed to be. It's like an hour long. And- yeah. It, with it being this musical variety show kind of thing, it, if ever there was a song that I didn't appreciate too much, like when Jason Schwartzman was doing his his duet with Rashida Jones, like that wasn't really doing it for me. But then plus, it's also, plus, why, by the way, who holds a wedding on Christmas? It's like, I'm sure people do it. But in New York, in a blizzard, like isn't that the point where you go, destination wedding? <laughs> yeah, you'd think. Just because of the format of it, it was you just kind of knew that if you weren't enjoying something, that you're probably going to have fun with the next yeah. one. You didn't have to worry too much about not enjoying a bit like this bit here, or this bit there. <laughs> Speaking of bad singing, one of my favorite things about the show was when uh, when he finally drags Chris Rock <laughs> onto the stage to do uh, 
After he's like, I'm not coming in. I have to go home. Yeah. Where? And then they put Chris Rock in that awful Christmas sweater. So funny. And what's the song that they do? Do you hear what I hear? Right. Do you hear what I hear? And this is where the, like, Chris Rock was probably most specifically there to be singing poorly and really playing that up. Um, because he has that call and response where you have Bill Murray, who we know, kind of, like, he's, he's competent at what he's doing. He's hitting the notes and everything. He's just got this very distinct... Um, kind of tired tone to his voice but then you have him doing this call and response with Chris, Chris Rock. Rock who can't sing and who is clearly uncomfortable and dressed up to be as uncomfortable as possible completely out of his element it's so perfect and then he like starts to slowly get into it but then when the <laughs> lights go out it's just clomp 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 Slam. so good just a really, really they entertaining. Need a dust cloud, like one of those Roadrunner dust clouds where Chris yes. Rock was. I've always wondered, like, what would happen if you put Bill Murray and Amy Poehler together? Like, you got Bill Murray and then Amy Poehler, sort of like Bill Murray's feminine side at some point. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like you'd see like, like a brother, like, like somewhere down the road, you have a movie where, where, where. Uh, where Bill Murray's playing the dying brother and, like, Amy Poehler's playing the kid sister and some sort of, like, comedy, like, tragedy, like, bucket list. <laughs> I'd pay to see that for sure. I, I felt like she was probably, uh, I don't know, she's she's such a talent and so entertaining. I, I, it would have been nice to kind of see more of her in this than than we got. And then and then you get, and then they're walking down the uh, Stairs and then you got Michael Sarah there. It's like I, I'm really coming. The Murricane, really. Oh my god, I'm coming. That's to, a great pun, by the way. Yeah, I'm really coming to love kind of Michael Sarah in bit parts. Like he's such a great supporting character. Like I've I've seen him in stuff that I just kind of take him or leave him. Like he, I think the last movie I saw with him in it was Year One. But him uh, in in smaller roles, I guess he's kind of or in, a in parts of, of uh, like Donald Glover bits where he's playing roles he shouldn't. <laughs> Uh, the one that I was thinking of is him in uh, Wet Hot American Summer, first day at camp, where he's playing... An- another show I'm just watching piece by piece. Oh, my God. Have you gotten any of the Michael Sarah stuff? Not yet. Oh, okay, because he plays a lawyer. Where It's it's kind of a similar character to where he is right now, where he just... With his you know his baby face and everything, he's, he, he's kind of like a 30-year-old Gil from yeah. The Simpsons. Also, Monuments Men... I loved, yeah, the Monuments Man bit. Because, like, that's a movie that the world has kind of already forgotten about. So to have Michael Sarah calling it back to shut down George Clooney and Bill Murray. <laughs> I have a soft spot for that movie. Could have been good. Like, maybe one of the best trailers in the last five years. It's like, oh, this is an Oscar movie. This is an Oscar movie. Then it gets moved in February and figure out why it's not an Oscar movie. Right. Yeah, that was a really strange thing. Because when I was looking at this movie, uh, or when I was you know prepping to talk about this and i was looking at all the categories and everything it was insane to click on the holiday favorite section because there's almost nothing in there what is in the holiday favorite section right now um yeah so stuff that's in the holiday favorites that you've probably heard of but a very merry christmas is the first one jingle all the way the trailer park boys christmas special how the now now you know you're in trouble when that's when that's number three on the list um how the grinch stole christmas then we get into things like arthur christmas that one where it's like santa's kid or santa's nephew or something what rise of the guardians is next yeah and then christmas with the cranks and that's pretty much it 
like a lot of stuff jingle all the way too with larry the cable guy oh, that's God, that there. awful piece of shit i was so frustrated because i had plans to watch all these christmas movies that i knew were on there so like elf was on there until december 1st elf um, being off there during christmas wait till new year's like, yeah and like uh white christmas was on there until christmas so i was talking to i was complaining about that to somebody today and they suggested well what it probably was was they likely picked up like a year contract for last christmas and put it on then, so then come December 1st it ran out, because it probably started on December 1st. I don't know if I buy it, but I mean that but at least kind of... But makes room for stuff like toys. Uh, family Which st- is also, oddly enough, a Christmas movie. That's a Christmas movie. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. Yeah. Uh, a movie that I just had to re-pick up, because I, I along the way I lost the uh, version of it, and it's not on Netflix right now, but The Family still may be one of the best... Christmas drama movies of all time, with, like I, dr- dramas. I cannot tell if you're being sarcastic right now. I love that. Like, you think, okay, Christmas movie, Christmas movie, Christmas movie. Then the bond drops out at some point. The Diane Keaton, Keaton character reveals something during the middle. It's like you got the Rachel McAdams character, which may be one of the better understated roles of her career. She sort of has this arc, and then that final scene the next year... Where you're watching Rachel McAdams sort of like tear up. It's like it's something more than you really. Because I, I honestly just completely dismissed it. It seemed like one of those long named. We'll take a full sentence and slap it as the title of the movie. Think, I, th- I think you also got like you have to be in a certain space for this. Like I've lost a few family members to cancer, and it's like when it gets revealed to you, it's sort of like yeah. And right near the end, it's sort of like. Yeah, I would have never considered watching it, but after hearing you say that, we'll have to we'll have to see if it shows up on Netflix. I'm not going to go out of my way and rent it. I'm yeah. not heading down to Jumbo or anything. Let's not get crazy. It might end <laughs> up being the four ninety nine bit. The categories that this special belongs to, according to Netflix, are holiday favorites. Probably going to be a future holiday favorite. TV shows. Okay. TV comedies, comedies, and music. It's all not bad. The moods that Netflix assigns to this special are witty, quirky, and deadpan. And dark. There should be a dark setting in Netflix. Yeah, I think that those are all pretty good. And I think the deadpan, like, it's so important to have deadpan be a part of that. Because as people's reviews of this have been so mixed, and a lot of it is really negative. Like, this is disposable. This isn't very good. And then all the positive reviews on Netflix are things like, no, 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 you don't get it. <laughs> like, I don't know why everybody's hating on this. You just don't get it. You're not enjoying it the way that you should. But everybody on Netflix is like, it's like you got people who are classic Bill Murray fans who stuck with them for like uh, Caddyshack, Scrooge, Ghostbusters, Quick Change. Those people are going to love this movie. But if you're like the 16 to 18 year old Netflix and chill generation, it's like, it needed more auto-tune for them, I guess. Yeah, well, I definitely come out on the side of being for this special. I, While I was watching it, I had a big smile on my face a lot of the time. And even though there were parts that I, you know, I was waiting to be over, it was still, it was fun to be in that world and to watch him kind of be this cynical version of himself. Because he's such a, he's just an enigma at this point. You have no idea where the reality still starts. Still one of my where fa- the, favorite Facebook things is, uh, like, him popping up up at random parties and weddings it's like right so that sort of thing like he's he's this this enigma and it's like he's created this whole he's like the mayor of the world at this point right like i said he's like the patron saint of the internet i don't think that means that he can do anything and have it be good 
because that's what a lot of detractors. Hey, Vincent, there's a proof that not everything. Hey, I've good. heard very good things about it. Shots fired at St. Vincent over here from Pat Tiffin. Yeah, anything with Melissa McCarthy. But I really. Oh God! What about? Okay. I think for some reason it's like it's it's like guilty by association somewhere in my mind. I just haven't found the one Melissa McCarthy role where I'm like, okay, I might be able to take this. Like, really? Like, like you just dislike it's like, everything it's like that Melissa she does? McCarthy, as a person with Asperger's and not and being on the spectrum, it's like the devil. Like, like feminists have Cosby and us autistic people. We have uh, Jenny McCarthy. Okay. Yeah. So oh, like, okay. So it's it's like guilt by proxy. Guilt by proxy. It's like, so she needs to really work out from under Jenny yeah. McCarthy's shadow. Yeah, it's like... Uh, I suppose that would be like a really... That's gotta be... Like, I don't want to completely like, uh, derail Bridesmaids this, but, is like, okay, trying too hard. It was like... Uh, okay, so you didn't like Bridesmaids. Uh, I, tried to, I, I tried to watch Tammy. That took about three minutes. And then I was like... I, uh, I had fun with the... I, I'm worrying about Ghostbusters now. I had fun with the heat. Even if I didn't adore it, that was one she did with Sandra Bullock. Sandra right? Bullock's trying to, her best to save the movie at that point. Spy, I'd rather, I'd, I think Jason Statham saw some scenes in that movie. Really? So, uh, sorry, I'm still curious about this. So, like, like Jenny McCarthy is like the devil for you then, just for being like such a... Comedy devil, devil yeah. Or so just for being... No, just, just, just for being related. No, that's what I'm but saying. That's, so, that's, a, that's a personal prejudice on my part. Like, right, but I mean, like, I've never... it. This is me being an asshole, but I mean, like I've always, whenever I hear Jenny McCarthy talk about the things that she talks about, my natural assumption is to assume that she is wrong and being ignorant. But I, I've, I've never actually heard anybody kind of be like, "No, that's personally that, that, that's offensive that, that, to that's me." That's vile. It's like, like the whole anti-vaccination thing. It's like these kids are going to be born this way either way. It's genetic. It's not yeah. caused by vaccination. And the fact that you're saying this is this helps prevent autism and lead to kids not getting vaccinated. Borderline dangerous. Right. So you've got, yeah, because it's, it's, it's doubly problematic because then you've got people who are, and this is, this is coming from the, I'm not terribly informed when it comes to these things, but I recently, in the last episode I talked to, yeah, I talked to somebody about the importance of, you know, science and not necessarily trusting, but you know, listening to the right people and not necessarily listening to celebrities because they're celebrities when it comes to science. So, you know, my my inclination is definitely pro-vaccination and pro-not getting outdated diseases and things like that. But, I mean, I've, I, I haven't done the research myself, but... If you're a lady over 40, the way I like to put it is, like, uh, you, you know who deserves a comeback? sync. You know who doesn't deserve a comeback? Polio. So, yeah, so, I mean, she's she's potentially using this platform that she's got to encourage people to make decisions that are not necessarily endorsed by science. And on top of that, I mean... Is and it's it, okay being autistic. Well, that's the other thing. Like, is it is it, like, not really offensive to be like, hey, if you have a choice, you shouldn't be autistic because, like, that's a bad thing to, like, do to your kid? Like, is that... It's like... I, like, I have to imagine that's... You fucked the wrong man. Deal with it. <laughs> You had the sex with a man who was also a carrier of this gene. It mm-hmm. takes two to tango. It ended up like that. Deal with it. Right. This isn't something that, you know, you should really go out of your way to... And it's made me not like Jim Carrey movies. I used to love Jim Carrey movies. So that's important. So, like, retroactively, because Jim Carrey shacked up with... Yeah, uh, with Jenny McCarthy. McCarthy. 
So and then went on his own anti-vaxxer rampage. Oh man! So so really, her taint is kind of like yeah. well, not her her. <laughs> Jenny McCarthy is a taint. It's probably it's, unless she unless she really is a crying game under there. She probably doesn't have that much of a taint. Oh, uh, so I, what, <laughs> what I meant. So for you, like her dark influence just kind of spreads out and infects everything that it touches. There should be a vaccination for that. She's like the Voldemort of autistic people. Oh my She's going God. to single me out, people. Single me out. <laughs> Oh boy! So let's okay, bring it back for me. Well, let's uh, let's talk a bit more about the. Uh, how did we get to that? Okay, right, because you said Bill Murray. Okay, so the point that We're I was, the second verse of Old King Wenceslas. Right. So the point that I was trying to make is that I think that there are people who are kind of reactive to just the whole idolatry of Bill Murray. That they're kind of like, well, of course you're going to like it because it's Bill Murray and everybody loves Bill Murray and everything. But I don't think that's true. I think that, at least for me, I went into it saying, okay, here's what this is. I'm excited about it because I've seen him be entertaining. But you got to give it a chance to be its own thing. And I don't think that people are going to love it just because it's Bill Murray. I don't think that we do that anymore. We don't have, you know, movie stars who you have to like because they're in everything, right? The great thing about Bill Murray nowadays is he's really cheesy. Like, he could have done Ghostbusters 3, probably get on 20 for it, million probably could have gotten a good part of the back end. Yeah. But he's, but he's like, he's, he's sort of that guy who really wants to break that Oscar drive for the SNL people. Right. Like, like that's that's probably the greatest curse that remains. Bill Murray wants to see one of two curses in. Either the SNL Oscar curse or the Cubs World Series curse. One of those has got to go in his mind. So yeah, I, like when I when I found out that this thing was going to exist, I got excited because it's Bill Murray. But I think that if you let it just kind of stand on its own legs and you give yourself a chance to enjoy it and try to get into what it's doing, rather than trying to force it into a different mold, I think we give Jen Arden a Christmas special. We we've, we've given Jen Arden a Christmas special. We give Michael Bublé every year a Christmas special. Yeah. Justin Bieber has a Christmas special. Yeah, this is more... It seems like an alternative... Like, to I, I, I think at this point we can give Bill Murray a pass. I guess there's an implicit trust to, okay, if Bill Murray's going to do something, then I'll give it a try. I'm thinking about doing one for London Fuse next year. Just like the Pat Tiffin Christmas special. Oh my god, Sign Just me when up. you thought, it couldn't get any worse than the Bill Murray Christmas special, here comes Pat Tiffin to prove you wrong. I think that people hated it because they wanted to kind of react to people who they assumed were going to love it just because it's Bill Murray. And that that, that doesn't have to be what it is. You can really just go in... But then you can do one of these a year nowadays. Like, you can, after Bill Murray, you can give one to... You could, but I think that this one is one that you can just... You can put on next year. Like, I'm looking forward like to... Like, Zach Galifianakis does it next year. Right? Oh, I would watch that, too. Yeah. I... Like, like, would you watch this next year? Can you see this kind of entering yeah, your can canon as a Christmas special? That I you can enter this into the rotation. Like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, that's what it's designed for. You can always for. watch Scrooge so many times. Right. Yeah, it, it works well in that capacity. You can have things that you look forward to and things that... Yeah, I mean, just something that's it's relatively short. You can have fun while you're watching it. It's repeatable. Some of the music is really engaging and really incredible. Like, I actually put this on just kind of in the background at work because it was pleasing to me. To, I was like, if something to put on while you're wrapping presents as well. Like, you can either watch it or you can have it on the background. Like, it's a really well-constructed 
Christmas special, but it's also, but it's not necessarily one that you put on with the kids, right? Like this is rated mature because they drop. Of course, it's rated mature. They drop a couple f bombs in there, which you know I appreciate. Oh, what, what, Chris Rock and Miley Cyrus in this? You're gonna drop a couple f bombs. So, like, it's not it's not offensive, but it's also it, it. I mean, Netflix said it right. They said it's it's irreverent. Like, this feels like an alternative to other Christmas specials. And it's not like I'm well informed when it comes to Christmas specials. Like, I remember zoning out when my parents were turning on like Rita McNeil Christmas specials on CBC back in the day. Rita McNeil. It it feels like an alternative to something that I didn't realize that I was looking for. Like if if you have a much more straight Christmas special, like a Celine Dion Christmas yeah. or the Josh Groban one that he's got, I think it's coming out this year where he does like a duet with uh, with Kelly Clarkson doing a Phantom of the Opera song. Like the, that idea of a Christmas special doesn't appeal to me. But this as not even a parody of it, but just like that for people who like bill murray stuff but by the way i have to say it um miley cyrus probably gives one of the better performances in yeah the okay so i i loved that this this special was respectful of miley cyrus because so much of her newest music i almost had nightmares watching the video from her new album with the flaming lips it's like well, I, I honestly haven't seen much of like i i don't go out of my way to seek miley cyrus but i think that what we sometimes forget about is that she's an incredible talent like yeah, she's got a, a killer voice killer voice it's it's a bit it's like it's like my when miley cyrus is in her element like she's uh like it sort of sounds like tammy Wynette with klf or kmf i forget what the band name is the ancient smoomer so she sort of has this like southern quality to her voice, like a Tammy Wynette would have, but sort of works towards pop, like Racking Ball, We Can't Stop, which probably has one of the weirdest lines of all time. It's like, okay, here we got Disney, former Disney princess, and at some point, uh, we're all standing in line in the bathroom to get a line in the bathroom. Say what you will about the the persona that Miley Cyrus has adopted recently i mean personally i'm for it there's a piece that i read on a website called pajiba not too long ago written by christy pushko i hope i'm pronouncing it right not that you're listening um where she talked about kind of miley just being i think she she said miley cyrus being feminist as fuck at the vmas and just talking about how how like responsible and and claiming of her own body miley cyrus is putting that aside she has this this raw talent that we often forget about and like she, that she, she has out, this great voice she, she out lady gaga lady gaga when <laughs> lady gaga was playing with tony bennett it's like it's like so it's not that's like she sounds like a tatted up rosemary Clooney in a bit right it's that but it's similar to that lady gaga tony bennett thing that it's unfortunate marketing because i think that so much of what's great about miley cyrus is kind of how she packages herself and everything but she has a voice and a talent that's still accessible to everybody and for the audience of this you know they put her in a red she could get nominated for an emmy for this for like variety yeah i mean you put her in this red santa suit where she's kind of playing that laying across the piano although i don't think she actually lays across it she does sit on it at one point and she does the variety show thing and she does it really well and i appreciate it that she still got like there's another person who could do a christmas special next year yeah and you know they give her this still this completely sleeveless dress so that she still has tattoos and still has that kind of a bit more of her look than what you would normally expect in this like really sanitized sort of you know holiday special with the the day the, the Broadway dancers the night and everything. Before. 
Yeah, so it's... I appreciate it. Like, I, I kind of wish that she was maybe even a bit... Got to be a bit more of herself. Because, I mean, George Clooney fits that mold so well. If, like, all he has to do is show up in, in a tuxedo and be George Clooney. There's the other patron say on the internet. George Clooney is fascinating in this as well. Because all George Clooney does in this is be George Clooney, right? Like, all he has to do is show up and be charming. And he's <laughs> he seems like he's working the least hard... And it's fascinating to me that George Clooney gets away with doing that and just kind of showing up and being George Clooney. But then if you were to throw like a Kardashian in here and doing the same thing, like famous for being, I mean, granted. Kanye, Kanye would be great. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, Kanye. Kanye and Bill Murray in the same room. I'd love that. Uh, but I mean, Life like, would end as we know it. <laughs> like, I don't know what it else. It would be like the Christmas special version of Jay-Z and R. Kelly. I don't know what else I would have wanted George Clooney to do because it's not like anybody was doing much in the way of heavy lifting when it comes to acting in this. And he's seems like less of a singer than Bill Murray is. It's George Clooney mugging for three minutes when he finally gets his time. Yeah, it's, it's like, just it's he's it's some hilarious mugging. Though. Yeah, like, he shows up, does some mugging, and like he's, he's he's getting his like uh he's he's getting his. Dean Martin and his uh, Jerry Lewis on at the same time. It's like he's suave as Dean Martin, basically all the mugging Jerry would do. Yeah, like like like, like he he's a producer's dream. He outsources one one of the jobs to himself. So it's like, yeah, that's true. He yeah, I guess he does both. He shows up and he is himself, is the handsome guy that they need him to be, and just shows up and looks good and attacks. But then he does have that, you know, that recurring bit during that song. That was it, Santa. Santa Claus it? wants some loving. Santa Claus wants some loving. <laughs> I'd never heard that song before. That's probably ins- it's probably an original for this. That's insanity to me. Santa Claus wants some loving. So yeah, okay, fine. I uh, I guess I liked him more than I thought I did. Okay, fine. You you get a pass, George Clooney. I know you're listening. George so, uh, Clooney. It's put, like there's not as much to talk about with this special as I kind of expected there to be because it it just kind of stands out on its own like it it it's so hit or miss like it's so divisive. Like people Jenny who, Lewis in there for like a few minutes. Yeah. Phoenix. Yeah, like these great these great cameras. Like I I'll be honest, like I didn't really know who and not that I'm an expert now, but like I really didn't know who Phoenix was before watching this. I kind of Listmania heard of them. Um but then to have this band show up, me, will be like, hey, damn, like this. It also reminds me that, like, Sofia Coppola needs to get back to, like, modern movies. Like, Marie Antoinette's. I hated like, that movie. It's like Kristen, Kristen Dutz is playing Marie Antoinette. One thing that kind of surprised me was that in the dream sequence, they kind of used the. Um, I forget what they're called, but, like, the. Like the Rockettes style, the the girls in the short dresses and the low cut tops and dancing around it, like fawning all over Bill Murray, like pawing at him because Santa Claus wants some loving. And yeah, you can't see it, but Pat just did an adorable clawing. Mo- He's repeating it as if as if doing it again is somehow going to get picked up on <laughs> by a microphone. Uh, <laughs> But it did seem. It, I get that it's a callback to kind of just that whole idea, and that maybe the stage would seem kind of barren without it. But it did seem strange and kind of backwards, especially for Sofia Coppola to kind of have these this army of doting, scantily clad women pawing at this tuxedo. Come on, gentleman. she 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 she's also from the classic Hollywood school, so it's like that's true. So at some point, it's like Busby Berkeley number. 
in a Christmas special? Check. Yeah, I guess you have to do it, but I don't know. It, it, I, I feel like that might have had an opportunity to do something a little bit different. You know, play with it. Oh, by the way, what is in a so- soiled kimono, anyways? It seemed delicious, whatever it was. Uh, that's the one that Maya Rudolph force feeds yeah. Jason Schwartzman. Okay, apparently a soiled kimono is from an old SNL bit. What's in a soiled kimono? I don't think it's a real drink. I think that it is a... SNL callback? It's a callback to an SNL bit. That's brilliant. Props. So yeah, there's a skit called Mr. Mike's Least Loved Bedtime Tales, The Soiled Kimono. The sketch is everything we love about strange vintage SNL. Oh, so it's Mr. Mike. So this is a Michael O'Donoghue creation? Yeah, it's Mike... Super props on that, then. Michael O'Donoghue, as a misanthropic bartender, as well as Lorraine Newman as a bar patron, asked to sing in lieu of payment. See, it's loaded with all these references that I didn't even realize were there. I wonder what is in it, though. Maybe we should have fixed some. How to make a soiled kimono. Here we go. Mix two-thirds of a glass of costly French champagne with a third of a glass of Japanese plum wine and top with a paper butterfly. (laughs) Paper butterfly? Paper crane? No. And you can find that at soiledkimono.com. And that is all that is on the website. <laughs> Soilkimono.com actually exists. Is those instructions. $5 a year for that. Any other notes? Uh, the powdered sh- sugar. Uh, yeah, that was a cute little... Uh, like substance. like, snow. nope, it's powdered sugar on pancakes. That's a cute little bit of filmmaking there. That's something, too. The, the look of this thing is, is curious. Because it's obviously expertly made. I mean, it's Sofia Coppola directing the damn thing. It's got the Boston translation lighting up yeah. until the dream I sequence. I don't know who the DP was on this, but, uh, but you know, when they're in the hotel, everything is very, you know, it's, it's shot very well. It's, very, you know, kind of dramatic. You shouldn't be using DP when you're using that bass line at the end of uh, Santa Claus Got Some Lovin'. And then it gets a little bit more kind of not quite found footagey, but it gets a little bit more loose. Uh, but then when you're on stage, like if when when you have the performances, that's when things feel a little bit more, a little bit more authentic, a little bit less polished. Because no matter how many times you film Jason Schwartzman singing with Rashida Jones, it's still going to come across kind of awkward. Because Rashida Jones can sing, and Jason Schwartzman should just sit behind the drums. Shots fired. <laughs> There's a lot of shots fired during this one. This is the most antagonistic podcast I've ever recorded. There's a new name of my new podcast. Shots fired. Shots fired with Pat Tiffin. I like it. But I I liked that about it. So even, you know, you get these these periods of time where you have this awkward rawness to the performances. And the camera isn't shying away from that. It's not trying to hide anything it's just saying okay if you are awkward at singing then let's watch you be awkward at singing and have people use music as their language to express something because even when jason schwartzman is singing and that's probably my least favorite thing about this whole special is his performance and i feel mean saying that but even when he is singing to rashida jones even though the construct of their story is so silly and all the acting around it is so silly of bill murray walking over and comforting this bride who's just lost her dream wedding and and she's politely refusing his marital advice despite all that watching him and her sing to each other they're still using song and music as a language to express something Sincere, and there's power in their acting, even without having the talent to back it up with singing. And I think that 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 permeates the whole special. That every song and every performance has 
a purpose. And every time it hits it out of the park in terms of what it's trying to accomplish. When Bill Murray is singing by himself being sad, you feel sad Bill Murray coming through that. When you have them all getting together and singing fairy tale in New York, you feel that camaraderie of everybody just sitting around getting hammered and singing songs that they all love. Like every time you get that when you, at the end, when you have this big schmaltzy thing with George Clooney peeking around Christmas trees, like it, it's this Blue lights, no less. Yeah, and it's this perfect callback to what you're supposed to be feeling at that time. It's all so well-constructed that focusing on the quality of the voice and the quality of the performances is just missing the point. It's you're not, you're not seeing it for what it is. You're seeing it for what you want it to be. And that's a really unfortunate way to watch it and a really unfortunate way to, to miss out on the opportunity to really enjoy the experience of A Very Merry Christmas. There are certain things like when you watch like Breaking Bad, like that that changed television. Like like uh, Cast Blank, Citizen Kane, that changed cinema. So like TV specials has been the same way for like years upon years. It's like in front of a live audience, in front of all this and all this and all this, but this just strips it all down and sort of makes it look. A little bit better. I mean, like, if you watch some stuff on YouTube, like, uh, they had the, like, Spike Jones not this year, but a couple years ago, like, directed a lot of, like, live videos for the YouTube video works. Like, there's this one version of Arcade Fire's uh, Afterlife. It's not, like, the video video, but it's, like, the live video, and you got Greta Gerwig, like, dancing around her, her apartment. It's sort of, like, a studio-based apartment. And then you see it running through a th- forest, sort of like changes around like the perspective. So it's like, if this helps TV specials get to the place where, where movies and the, and TV shows have gotten so far, it might be a good thing to give this look and forgive it for things because it's it's a little bit weird, but it's a step in the right direction. I mean, so much of what we talk about on this podcast is about how kind of the medium has changed and how we're seeing this democratize this democratization of culture and and the internet is so important to how culture is created and consumed. This is the first time I can think of where I mean, even though you can stream it whenever you want, a very merry Christmas is probably it feels the most like an event of anything like internet exclusive media has done. Like there's there's internet exclusive stuff that's come out that's been huge, like Netflix series and you know the return of community and shows being brought yeah. back in online mediums and things like that. But this is the first time that it's been. Yeah, and Netflix has even done movies. Like I've talked before about uh, Beasts of No Nation, and that was an important thing for Netflix to do. But this was the first event. Like this was people counting down to A Very Merry Christmas and people getting riled up and because it's like like, like Beasts of No Nations it's like their life of pie compared to the piece of crap you're about to get from uh, Adam Sandler in a a few days yeah yeah I suppose I can't give Netflix too much credit there but I'll uh, I'll reserve judgment until I see it but this is the like I said people are counting down and because it's a seasonal thing there's really a confined amount of time in which to watch it so even if it's not everybody sitting down to watch this one live TV special all at the same time, you know, this big MASH finale event or this this big NBC musical event, this big annual thing, 
it's still the first time that it's been... Well, when did this thing come out? It came out on... Last like, Friday? Right. December 4th. Right. So it came out on December 4th. So there are three weeks to watch this movie in. And that's when it's it's most potent until next Christmas. Like, this is a three-week period in which as many people as possible, in, in which the internet is highly encouraged to watch the same thing, and everybody's watching the same is, thing is at the same time. Follow this up with, with, with a very Ackroyd Easter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited about what, not just what this was, but what it represents. Because you can... Part of the importance of specials is the community of everybody consuming the same culture at the same time. And it's exciting to see that Netflix is still finding a way to create that without using the traditional channels by which to do it. Yeah. And by traditional channels, we mean NBC, CBS, ABC, Fox. Of course, yes. Univision. Telemundo. <laughs> Can't forget Telemundo. BET. Man, I, MTV. Mi- I miss UPN. None of this CW Open. crap. I miss watching Star Trek you, you, Voyager you, you, you and then Secret Smackdown. <laughs> you miss Secret Diaries of Desmond Pfeiffer's Homeboys about in outer space. Well, I think that that's, uh, that's about everything that I wanted to talk about with regards to the special. So what I want to do is invite you, of course, as we always do, to give this Netflix... I keep saying movie. It's just like it rolls off the tongue. TV special. Netflix we want to, TV. We want to give this Netflix original TV special a rating as well as choosing an MVP. So just a reminder that the different ratings that Netflix assigns... One star means hated it. Two stars didn't like it. Three stars liked it. Four stars really liked it. And five stars loved it. So if you want to uh, tell me what you put that into your own personal Netflix profile, as well as tell me who your MVP from the special was. 3.9. Can't do 3.9. I'll get a four then. All right. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) So uh, you really liked it? I really liked it. Uh, I'll give it to Miley Cyrus. And I'm going to give a special mention. Honorable mention to uh, the uh, sort of like the the third guy in that group, Dimitri. Dimitri, I'm gonna Dimitri. Uh, yeah. Honorable mention. <laughs> Why? It doesn't do anything. But it's awkward comedy at best. It's like he's trying his best, but he's the only person who doesn't fit in this special. So Miley Cyrus, your MVP. Yeah. So just for the for the musical performance. Just for the musical the- performance. It's 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 up there in the annals of Christmas specials past. Great. Uh, Paul Schaefer also shout out to Paul Schaefer. Yeah, for sure. He, he he's so subtly amazing in this because he holds the whole thing together. Like it could not exist. And he directed this musically, so it's like yeah. So he like he coordinated everything that's great about it, but demands none of the attention for it. It's really impressive. You might also yeah. You might even be changing my mind. But it's it's it's, it's like it's 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 like the same subtle way when you're watching Sonic Highways and you have Butch Vig who was in Garbage and produced Garbage and a bunch of other things and it's like you see Dave Grohl in the band there. It's like but then you have Butch Vig just slowly piece by piece just throwing some stuff out. Yeah, I appreciate when people quietly win. I, uh, I'm very much an attention-grabbing person myself, so I appreciate when people kind of succeed from the side. I quietly win. People over. Uh, for me, this is also getting four stars. While I was watching it, I was like, yeah, I love this. I really love this. But after it's had a little bit of time to to ferment in my brain, it's uh, I'm definitely going to watch it again. I think that as long as Netflix has it, like I'll totally watch this every year. I'll, it's I'll evergreen. Play. They're yeah. not taking this off. If, yeah. you, if Netflix paid for it, it's staying on their for yeah. life. 
So I'm, I'm more than happy to watch it again. Uh, I don't know if it'll have the same impact, but one thing that I, I can't imagine I'll ever get tired of is my MVP is going to Maya Rudolph because talk about quietly winning, although not necessarily quietly. She just kind of creeps in. You're like, oh, hey, Maya Rudolph, what are you doing here? You're expecting. She's just stopping in there until uh, Sisters comes out. Yeah, you figure that she's just, you know, going to hang out, do a funny little skit, and then she kills it with one of, if not the very best performance in the whole thing, where she sings Baby Please Come Home. She comes out and sings this, like, as well as I've ever heard her performed. And from this person who, I mean, I didn't know that my mother was a singer. Was she? Yeah. Like, her mother was, was on the first season of SNL, like, as a musical guest. Really? See, I'm learning so much talking to you, Pat. You're this encyclopedic knowledge of stuff. font of knowledge about things that I should know more about than I do. So yeah, my Rudolph, absolutely. This surprise win of just absolutely blowing my mind and and doing this incredible performance and that that same rawness that I talked about before, where you kind of see the awkwardness of other people as they're singing. She just like drips with competence and this like ferocity in her performance it's so good it's so good so four stars Maya Rudolph for you four stars and Miley Cyrus what would happen if she actually did, did normal music again <laughs> don't hate man don't hate I'm not hating shots fired <laughs> I love this catchphrase for you alright man well I want to thank you so much for, for coming on and doing this uh, talked about doing this months and months and months ago I think it's when you found out that this special was happening, you said, "I want to, I want to come talk to you about this. I want to do a podcast." So, so I appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun talking to you about this and uh, picking apart something that uh, I think is a, a pretty important. Uh, you know, even if it's not everybody's favorite, I think it's a, a pretty important thing that they did in making this special. So, thank you again for coming on. I had a great time. Bowing does nothing on a podcast. Please say I'm, something. I'm from a visual medium. Thank you very much. Merci beaucoup. That's great. So if people want to find you or find what you're working on, where can people find you? I, I'm on Facebook. I'm Pat Tiffin. I'm on Twitter. It's twitter.com slash Pat Tiffin or at Pat Tiffin on uh, Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Instagram, uh, Pat Tiffin. Uh, Tiffin2Fs? T-I-F-F-I-N. All right, man. Thank you so much for doing this. I had a great time. No problem. everything for this week from the netflix podcast if you like what you heard today head on over to netflixblog.wordpress.com to check out the rest of the netflix content like show notes articles reviews as well as a weekly look at what's new on canadian netflix you can also find us on our social media platforms starting with facebook at facebook.com slash netflix podcast over on tumblr you can find us at netflixpodcast.tumblr.com and you can find us on Twitter at NetflixPod, where you can also find me at Dylan Clark Moore. If you'd like to support the show, 
show, there are a few ways you can do so. You can start by heading over to iTunes and subscribing so that each week's episode comes straight to you. While you're there, drop a rating and a review to let us know what you think. You can also contribute directly to Netflix by way of our Patreon campaign. Whether it's for the rewards, like shoutouts on the podcast, or customized content, or if you'd just like to see us keep doing what we're doing, you can pledge your support over at patreon.com. The Netflix podcast is produced and edited by me, Dylan Clark Moore. The very special Christmas theme music was provided by Zach Moore. Speaking of music, what you're hearing right now is a piece called Newborn by artist Para Palabras. This is another track from the album Forest City Series Volume 2 from record label A Person Disguised as People. I'll be sure to include proper credit and links in today's episode's show notes. Thank you so much for checking out this week's episode of the Netflix podcast, and be sure to join me here next week for a whole new conversation about a whole new movie from the Netflix catalog. Because even if you think you've seen it all, baby, you ain't streamed nothing yet. Thank you.